0: This is part two of the sermon series on spiritual realities titled God's Perspective Viewing Earth from Heaven. Be enriched as you listen to this message.
1: We're going to spend some time in the Word of God and then we will get into some time of prayer and ministry after we uh, minister the Word. So I trust you are uh, excited, eager to listen to the Word of God and uh, we do enc- We will encourage you to uh, share this service with others uh, known to you, perhaps a few of them, so that uh, they could also receive the word, be encouraged uh, as they listen to uh, the ministry of the Word of God. Last Sunday, we started a series called Spiritual Realities, and uh, we just began to uh, lay an introduction to this series of messages on spiritual realities. Last Sunday, sermon was called the unseen realm. Uh, we talked about the spiritual realm, which we also refer to as the unseen realm or the heavenlies. And we, uh, I will not repeat the entire, you know, the, uh, all the main points of that sermon. You can go back, listen to it, uh, in case you missed it. But well, let's pick up from there and move forward. In today, uh, uh, just just ex- 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 go forward in this whole understanding of spiritual realities. You see, one of the things we established last Sunday was that God is a spirit being and he lives in the spiritual unseen realm. Uh, he is an eternal self-existent spiritual being. And uh, We also did mention about uh, the angels, the angelic beings. We talked about fallen angels. Uh, Satan and his demons, disembodied spirits. Uh, we talked about man and their interaction uh, in the natural realm. We mentioned several things about the spiritual realm, how that there is uh, no time and no distance uh, in the spiritual realm, that those, are, um, those don't matter uh, in the spiritual realm. We also did say that, however, there is energy, there is materiality when it comes to the spiritual realm. That means in the realm of the spirit, There is power, there is energy, there is materiality. That means the spiritual realm is very real, just made of something different that you and I cannot understand. And um, also the whole uh, concept of time is very different. You see, uh, when you and I talk about now, our now typically is this second. One second is a now. But for God, his now is eternity. So when God says, for God now is eternity, he is that great. And all of eternity is compressed for him in his now. That's why he is the great I am. He is the God who dwells in eternity. He dwells outside time. And so for him, all of eternity is now. He is the I am. He dwells in the eternal now. So uh, time is just immaterial as far as the realm of God is concerned. Uh, the other big impor- important thing for us to keep in mind is that, you know, we are finite beings. and We are trying to understand an infinite God. And so uh, there's only so much we can articulate with our thoughts and language uh, to capture some elements of the infinite God our, our, on what our finite mind can understand about God who is Infinite and and uh, you know it is ov- ov- obviously going to be limited uh, compared to who he really is and all that there is uh, to know and understand about an infinite God. Today, I want us to do something very important uh, as we continue in the series on spiritual realities. I want us to try to look at things from God's perspective. So this part two of the sermon on spiritual realities is called God's perspective. That means, you know, we are usually uh, traditionally, when we think we look at it from our realm, from the natural, we try to understand the spiritual. We try to look at God uh, and so on. But how about today just getting into the mind of God and trying to look at things from God's perspective? How does he see everything that's going on? In the natural realm, and what would God want to communicate to us from His perspective? It's almost like you know us from the planet Earth looking out into outer space. But what if we went far out into the outer space and looked back on Earth? You know, uh, that's just a totally different picture of everything. So that's what we want to look at today. We want to look at things from God's perspective. How does God see these things? And there is a lot that can be said. I want, what I want to do in this message is capture some uh, key things that we must be aware of when we when we when God is looking at things things as they uh, as they would look from God's perspective and so I've put them in uh, in simple statements uh, just for us to communicate this uh, today on the sermon. So the first one uh, that we must understand when we see things from God's perspective is that number one is God is not surprised at happenings. See, God is not taken aback when he sees things happen here on the planet. He never has, and he never will be surprised at the things that are happening on the earth. You know, what the Bible says is that, you know, God saw things way ahead of time. Isaiah 5, 46 verse 10 tells us that he declares the end from the beginning, that means, uh, you know, from the beginning, when things are starting out, he's already at the end. He knows uh, everything. Uh, and God, since God dwells in eternity, he is able to stand at the beginning and at the end at the same time. That's why many times Jesus refers to himself as uh, the Alpha and the Omega, Revelation 1, eight, the beginning and the end. Uh, we see this several times in Revelation. Uh, he repeats that in Revelation 21.6 and Revelation 22, twenty two twenty. Verse 13, he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. So he's there. Uh, He knows everything. He's seen everything. And so things that unfold on the planet don't surprise him. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says that the works were finished uh, before the foundation of the world. That means in the mind of God, everything was already completed uh, before things actually started in time. but will talk more about that in a little bit from now. So God wasn't surprised when Adam and Eve made their choice uh, to disobey him. God wasn't surprised when man fell. He wasn't surprised at all the things that take place or took place since the fall of man. And so none of these things take God by surprise. Things that are happening today in our world, they're not uh, uh, things that God is surprised about, and He says, "Oh, now let me figure out a solution for these things." No, in fact, God has seen through time. The Bible talks about how God has predestined things. He's also He's already predetermined certain sort of things that will take place. Uh, uh, he has predetermined that those who respond to His call and His invitation that they will be conformed to the image of his son Jesus Christ that's a plan that's being that's being unfolded through time and that's what's happening so God already has uh, uh is unfolding all of his plans as things are happening here on earth nothing takes him by surprise and uh, in fact the bible says that there was a book of life written from before the foundation of the world that means even before time began God had the names of everybody who, who would respond, who would say yes to him. And so the book of life was written with everybody's names in it, of people who would respond and say yes to him, even before the first person was created. He knows everything. None of these things take him by surprise. Number two is this, that God is secure in his sovereignty. You see, we know that God is a sovereign God. Uh, his name is Adonai Jehovah Jehovah. That means the sovereign Lord uh, as sovereign, he is king, he is ruler, uh, and he's in control. Uh, And uh, and the Bible teaches us that our God reigns, he rules. Uh, Psalm 103 verse 19 says that uh, his throne is established in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So we know that God is sovereign, He's, he's potentate, he's king, he's ruler over everything. So... God is very secure in his sovereignty. But we must understand this, that God is so secure in his sovereignty that he has decided to give up control. Let me say that again, and I'm going to explain this. That God is so secure in his sovereignty that he has decided to give up control. You see, many times uh, we hear people make the statement, you know, God is in control. Well, that statement is true in its context, but it's not true when it is outside its context. So there are many things that God is not in control of. And so when God looks at things on the earth, uh, he doesn't feel responsible for many things because he's not in control of those things. You and I uh, you know, just blurt out the, st- the statement, God is in control, uh, but really God is not in control. Let's explain that. First of all, number one, we must understand that God is not in control of human choices. God is not in control of human choices. When God created man, he intentionally created man with a free will. And so this sovereign God, in creating man, was actually giving up control and saying, man, you are going to be in control of your life. God was not going to control man. Man was not a robot, and man is not a robot. So God is not in control of human choices. God is not in control of your choices. You know, you can't make a choice and then turn around and say God is in control. Example, suppose you go and do something wrong, whatever that may be, and uh, there are repercussions to your wrong doing. It is not right for you to back off and say God is in control. That makes absolutely no sense. And that statement is not true. Because what is happening is the outcome of your choice, your decision. And you are responsible for the outcome of those choices. God is not in control of your choice. And the repercussions of you making that choice is your responsibility. Now, God is sovereign. He's given you a free will. In effect, he's given up control of your choices. And so you will face the consequences of, you and I will face the consequences of our choices. Now, what we can do, and I will explain this a little later, is that we can, if we realize we made a wrong choice, we can repent and we can invite God to work in. He will do that. But we must understand God is not controlling our choices. What God wants us to do is, to discern his will and then come into cooperation and co-working with him out of our own free will, that we make the choice to do that. And we find many scriptures on it. And I'll just mention, for instance, in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, God says, you know, I have said before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life. So God is telling his people, look, there are two options for you, life and death, blessing and cursing. My advice to you is to choose life, but you've got to make the choice. God can't choose it for you. Or you think about Joshua 24 and verse 15. Eh? Joshua says, you know, choose you this day whom you want to serve. You make the choice. Whom do you want to serve? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he's making a choice. He's telling the people of God, you make the choice. right?" So we have to make the choice. And God works where he is welcomed. See, God is not going to barge into your life and say, hello, I'm going to work in you. I'm going to change you. No, he's going to. he works where he is welcomed. So you and I must invite him. And God works in cooperation with our will and as co-workers with us. That means we discern God's will and we say, God, I am choosing to do what you want me to do. I'm going to do my part and I invite you to empower me to do that, and I will work with you. That's how God wants us to work. But for us to randomly say God is in control and make our own choices, that's not true. There's in whole, God is not in control of your choice, choices. Secondly, we must also understand that God is not in control of Satan. God is not directing Satan, uh, Satan's activities. Obviously, Satan is doing what uh, Satan and his demons are doing whatever they do, they want. They are tempting people. They are attacking. They are trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And God is not the one orchestrating that. God is not the one directing Satan and his demons. So God is not in control of Satan and his activities. They are doing whatever we are giving, per- giving them permission to do in, in, in our world. Now, God is sovereign which means he is more powerful than Satan and he will step in and, 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 and act on against Satan. We will mention that in a few minutes. But I'm saying in the normal way of things happening here on earth, God's not telling Satan what to do and controlling Satan. Satan and his demons, they're going about doing their evil work as they choose to do. The third thing God is not in control of is God is not in control of the matters here on earth. You see, God put man on the earth and it is people who are doing things and 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 there are the elements there's the course of nature there is the course of things that have been set in place and like Romans 8 chapter 8 explains to us many of these things are in a state of corruption they have deviated from God's original design and so the course of nature that has been set in place is at work but it has deviated from its original standard. And so the matters on the earth, God is in control. For instance, God is in control if two people start fighting. You can't say God's in control. No, those two people are making their choice. Now, what if that thing uh, uh, explodes into some sort of a community violence and gangs start fighting? God is not controlling those gangs, neither is he directing those gangs to fight. So God is not in control of the uh, earth's matters whether it's when nations go to war. God is not telling those nations to go to war when dictators uh, abuse and, uh, and uh, violate their people. God is not telling the dictator to behave that way. So God is not in control when there is social evil, there is corruption, there is uh, moral decadence, there is all kinds of things happening around us. God is not in control of those things. He is neither the author nor the director of any of those things. People are at work, Satan is at work, communities are at work. God is not the one, you know, ordering the cyclones, the uh, tornadoes, the tsunamis, the volcanoes, the earthquakes. He is not doing that. Those are the outcomes of the course of nature, which has deviated from its original design. And those things are happening. God is not the author of people born uh, uh, with problems uh, in their bodies or in their minds. He is not the creator or the author of those things. Once again, Uh, The natural course of nature has deviated from its original design. So understand these three things, that God is so sovereign, he's given up control in these three areas. He is not controlling human choices, he's not controlling Satan's activities, and he's not controlling earth's matters. But what God does is that he steps in where he is welcomed. Or secondly, he steps in in order to carry out his overall plan and purpose, which he predetermined from before the foundation of the world. That's when, as sovereign, he can override man, he can override Satan, and he can override the natural elements and course of things on the earth. But he will do that only in two cases. One, when he's invited by us to do it in response to our faith, and our willingness to cooperate with him and secondly when he needs when he decides to carry out what he has predetermined his predetermined purpose his plan for the ages that's when he sovereignly works uh, and if at that time he, had to, he has to override any of these things man what man does or satan does or the uh, course of nature he will do it in order to carry out his predetermined plan for the human race but in the normal course of things god is not in control of these three areas that we mentioned. So you can imagine this now. You know, God is looking from heaven. And here you and I are just saying God is in control. God is in control. And God is saying, I wish those people would wake up and take responsibility of their choices and their actions. So look at things from God's perspective. Don't just try to blame God for everything. Or just use the phrase, God is in control lightly. Understand what God has done. Understand that He is so sovereign that He gave you a free will, and He said, "I'll trust you to make the choice." Because no choice that you can make can override His sovereignty. God is so sovereign; He's let Satan uh, and His demons operate on the earth. He's not intimidated, and, and that will bring us to the next point. God is not afraid of any of that, and He is so secure in His sovereignty that He can still accomplish what. He wants done. Psalm 115, verse 3 says, God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. That means he can step in and carry out his purpose anytime. He's sovereign, he knows it, and he will do it. Job 42, verse 2 Job realized, I know you can do everything, and no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. So God will still fulfill his purpose in spite of all our choices, in spite of what Satan does, in spite of all what happens in the, the natural course of things. God will still fulfill his purpose, but God is not controlling these three things, and we must understand that. The third point, we must, uh, when we look at things from God's perspective, is this, that God is not intimidated by man or the devil. God is not intimidated by man or the devil. You know, when you talk about man, God is not intimidated by our reasoning. Over time, over over the you know uh, centuries, there have been great you know uh, ideas and philosophers and theorists and scientists who have who have you know who have come up with all kinds of ideas about the non existence of God, trying to you know do away with God. Um, We've had people uh, propose all kinds of theories on the origin of the universe. whether it's uh, and also a lot of things, ideas have come forth, in ancient notions and philosophies, or maybe even more recent theories of evolution, or uh, theories of relativity, or quantum physics, or quantum mechanics, or none of these things intimidate God. Uh, God is not intimidated by you know all the books that scientists and others write. We've got all these wonderful uh, books that are. About Put up there the God delusion, the God uh, outgrowing God or a brief history of time or the theory of everything or the God equation or parallel worlds or hyperspace, a universe from nothing or on the origin of the species or the descent of man and so on. Lots of things being written out there. God is not intimidated by any of that. God is not intimidated by our achievements in outer space explorations. We have gone to the moon. We've gone to Mars. Planning a trip, you know, a, a visit to Venus. God is not intimidated by all of this, and you know, thank God for science. I'm not against science. Thank God for our understanding and our learning. Uh, uh, all of it, you know, if put to good, use, good use, it's good. Now, God is not intimidated by our achievements in medicine and genetics. Whether they, uh, when they, when they used to try to disprove the existence of God, He is neither intimidated by our discoveries in uh, archaeology or. Uh, paleontology or um, the deductions that we make from them, God is not intimidated by any of these things. You know, He's not intimidated by our questioning, our mocking, or our reasoning. The Bible just simply says that. You know, in Isaiah forty verse thirteen and fourteen. Who can direct God? Or who can teach Him? Who, from whom does He take counsel? Or who's going to instruct Him? Who's going to teach Him how to be just? And who's going to give Him knowledge? And who's going to give Him understanding? God's above all of this. And Romans one twenty. Uh, Romans Romans 1, uh, Paul says it so clearly that even though man could see creation, recognize God in creation, uh, he chose not to do that. And instead, he says, professing to be wise, man ended up just becoming a fool and exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, you know, a man by his wisdom, through wisdom, man did not know God. God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom. And he says, through wisdom, uh, uh, um, uh, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. In other words, God is not afraid of all of these things. He's not intimidated by these things. And sometimes we think, wow, we've disproved God. We've got rid of, his, of him by all our uh, theories and hypotheses and uh, and so on. But God is not intimidated by these things. God is not intimidated by uh, Satan's... Uh, Deception. You know, Satan, he's a master at deception. He he uh, deceived Adam and Eve. Today he deceives masses of people, uh, holds so many people under under control. And we know uh, uh, there's a time coming again when, when uh, he's going to go out with intensity, knowing his time is short to deceive people. But God is not intimidated by that because God knows that his truth will still prevail. God's truth is so powerful no deception of the enemy can outdo the truth of God. So God is not intimidated by that. And so understand that we don't need to defend God. God is our defender, but not the other way around. God defends us. We don't have to defend God. So keep this in mind. When God is looking at the earth and he sees all this happening, he's not intimidated. He's not fearful. He's not trembling on his throne and saying, "Oh no, they don't believe in me." God is not intimidated by any of these things because He knows His truth will prevail. Number four, God decided and completed His work. Hebrews chapter four and verse three, He said this: that although the works were fin- or that the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. As far as God is concerned, he has decided and completed the work. So look at this. From the spiritual realm, he's looking out into the natural. The natural world is progressing in time, right? we journeying through time. As far as God is concerned, he says, I've already completed the work that I want to do as far as this planet Earth is concerned. He has already completed it. He has decided and he completed it. So the Bible tells us that from the foundation of the world, Christ was already, even before he created the first man, from the foundation of the world, Christ was already the Lamb of God, slain for the salvation of the people. Um, God already chose us in Christ from before the foundation of the world. Um, That he already prepared a kingdom that he would give to us from before the foundation of the world. The book of life, as I mentioned earlier, the names of all the people was already written from before the foundation of the world. So as far as the mind of God is concerned, God journeyed through time and all the work was done in the mind of God. Christ was already crucified. Your sins and my sins were already paid for on the cross before everything began. Uh, Sicknesses and diseases were removed on the cross. And on the cross, God already declared you whole and healed even before the foundation of the world. So God already decided and he already completed the work before anything started. Satan was already defeated and crushed on the cross, even before the foundation of the world. God, had, as a heavenly father, already had this family from before the foundation of the world. So as far as God is concerned, he says, look, I have decided and I've completed the work. And so as far as when he looks at you and me, he just says, live out of what I've completed. You are a spiritual being. When you step into the spiritual world, then you and I can start living out of what has already been completed as far as God is concerned. and That is how God wants us to live. We'll talk more about that in in, in the coming Sunday, next week. But, you know, for example, when you and I are are desiring healing, we're not here saying, God, heal me. As far as God is concerned, he already took care of it. We're not saying, God, is it your will to heal? The, The will of God is not even a question when it comes to healing. Why? Because the cross says, yes, of course. He took your sicknesses and he bore your diseases. The punishment to bring you wholeness was already upon him. And by his wounds, you have been healed. So don't even question the will of God concerning healing. It's already a yes. It was already settled. God decided already to heal you. So there's no question of, is it your will to heal me? It was decided before the foundation of the world. Secondly, you don't have to ask. Say, God, please heal me. That work was already completed before the foundation of the world. On the cross, Jesus already took your sickness, already took your disease, and his wounds already provided healing for you. And so today, it's a matter of us saying, I receive of what is already done. I receive of what God has already decided and completed. So that is you and me living out of the realm of the spirit in the natural. In the realm of the spirit, the work is decided. It's been completed. Now you and I are saying, I'm taking it and I'm walking in it in the natural. So it's no longer us questioning his will or asking if he wants to heal. He's already done it. And we just receive it in the realm of the natural. So number four, remember that God has already decided and completed the work. Just two more, two more thoughts here. for me. look at things from God's perspective, number five, God is not in a hurry. You see, for us, when we look at things, for us, time matters a lot. We look at time and say, wow, so many thousands of years have gone and uh, this happened and that happened. Why is the world uh, in such a bad state? And all of it, when are things going to change and so on? So for us, time, uh, we look at time, but in that perspective. But for God, time does not matter. And the way he can tell us time doesn't matter is by letting us know. Look, he He uses our language, for instance, in second Peter 3 and verse 8, and he says, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. In other words, for God, don't, don't bother me with this thing called time. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. I Meaning, this doesn't even matter as far as God is concerned. So God is not in a hurry, because he can compress time. What would take, in our estimation, you know, maybe decades to happen, God can make it happen in an instant. What would take hundreds of years. God can make it happen in an instant. For him, time is not an issue. So God is not in a hurry. And God already has planned out what is going to happen as far as time is concerned. We can read the book of Revelation. And we see that God has already determined that reign of Christ on the earth. is already determined that Satan will be bound forever. That Uh, that all these things uh, will be brought to an end. And he's not in a hurry to get there because for him, time doesn't matter. Now you and I get pressured as far as time is concerned from God's perspective. God is not in a hurry. So we need to look at things from that perspective. That's how God is looking at what's happening. And lastly, uh, uh, this might sound a little trivial, but I just want to make the point. Number six, God will have The last laugh. God will have the last laugh. That's just an English phrase, meaning to say that, you know, God is going to come out the winner. Nobody's going to argue against God at the end. At the end, we will see that God was right. God will have the last laugh. And, you know, there are some passages in the Bible that talk about God laughing. Uh, Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 to 4 is one of those passages where it says, you know, uh, the nations of the earth, the kings of the earth and the rulers... They all want to take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed. Uh, and uh, um, they're trying to go against God, against his anointed. And it says that in verse 4, he who sits in the heavens will laugh. The Lord will hold them in derision. Again, in Psalm 37, verse 13, it says the Lord laughs at him that is the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. See, God looks at it. He says, hey, guys, I'm going to have a final word. I'm going to have the last laugh about everything. You know, we know the end. God has revealed some of that to us. There's going to be Revelation 20, verse 11 to 15. There's going to be this great white throne judgment when every living person will stand before that throne and uh, uh, and uh, and the books will be opened. And, and then you can imagine all the great leaders and all the people that we esteem so highly and all the, uh, you know, All the noble people will stand before the throne of God. And the Bible says in Philippians 2, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God is going to have the last love. And therefore, when God looks at things, He's not afraid. He's not taken aback. Uh, He knows how things are going to wrap up. And He knows what's going to usher us into what we refer to as the eternity future. So God sees all of this. And this is the perspective that God has on the natural realm on time. Let me just review these six key points here, and then i'll I'll wrap up. So what did we say when we want to, when we look at things from God's perspective? Number one, God is not surprised at the happenings uh, at what happens. Secondly, God is secure in his sovereignty, and he is intentionally given free will, he's given space for others to do what they have to do for things to happen. Thirdly, God is not intimidated by man or the devil. Uh, Fourthly, we said God has decided and already completed his work. So God is not trying to complete some loose ends. He's already decided, completed his work as far as God is concerned. Number five, God is not in a hurry. And number six, God will have the last laugh. Now, why are these things important for us to understand? And I said, mentioned these three reasons last Sunday, and I'll repeat them again. You know, we need to understand this as we learn about spiritual realities, because as we go further in the series, next Sunday, we're going to talk about our perspective. How should we be looking at the spiritual realm, and therefore our life here on earth as we live out of the spiritual realm? We'll talk about that next Sunday. But why is understanding these spiritual realities important? Number one, so that you and I uh, understand the importance of developing our spiritual lives. Uh, We said this, that man is a tripart being. He's a spiritual being. He's designed to live in both the spiritual realm and the natural realm. And so we need to understand how spiritual things work so that we can be effective in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm. We must understand these things so we know how to relate to God correctly. Uh, Today, perhaps you've heard some things that you didn't think about God earlier. And it's going to change how you therefore live here on earth. Knowing how God looks at things at the very basic level, hopefully you and I will take more responsibility for our choices and the things that we do. And don't just say God is in control. No, because from God's perspective, he's given you and me a free will. And he says, you're responsible. Number three, it'll teach us how to discern and act. So, when we look at things around us, we don't blame God for everything or just say God is doing it. No. There are things that we are doing, there's things that Satan and his demons are doing, and we need to understand who is at work and therefore, uh, thereby, correctly respond to things here on earth. And I also mentioned this that, you know, we, uh, in order to see change in the natural in certain matters, we must first begin in the spiritual. I mentioned this last Sunday, and I'm saying it again. That's why understanding spiritual realities is important. As we progress in this series, we're going, to un- uh, we're going to discover many more things, and hopefully we'll be in a position to operate powerfully in the natural as we operate first, as we learn how to operate in the spiritual. You know, many of the things that uh, we are sharing and we will be sharing you know, we, 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 we experiment or we live truth out in the laboratory of life. Now you think about a typical scientist, and you know, they, uh, they come up with an idea, and then they experiment to prove their theory or hypothesis or idea. And they collect data, they work on things, and based on whatever the outcomes are, um, we typically, typically call them as evidence-based, they come up with uh, certain conclusions. Now we do the same thing, but we start out with truths we apply it in the laboratory of life with real people and real life situations and we see all of these things work. And we are also evidence-based. We are Our evidence is in the laboratory of life. We are also data-based. That means we see this happening over and over and over again in the lives of people. And therefore, we know that what we are working with is truth because we are, exp- we are working it out in the laboratory of life with real people in real life situations and we see the evidence, the outcomes Uh, that's happening over and over again in the lives of people. That's why we can speak these things with confidence, with utmost confidence, knowing that when we learn these things and begin to apply them in life, we will see that truth works and gives us the same results for every person in all through time across races and cultures. The truth works the same way. And we see that. We're going to take a few moments just to worship God. I'm going to come back and pray. We're going to pray together uh, and invite God to work in our lives. I want you to open your heart, expect God to work in your life during as we as we worship and as we pray.
0: Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. Yeah. Thank yeah.
1: Thank you, worship team, for leading us in those moments of worship. I want us to just take a few moments to pray. You see, God is a spiritual being. And if we want to engage with God, we must also step into that spiritual realm. Now, of course, God is sovereign. He can step into our natural realm, touch us in our body and mind. But for us to engage with God, we step into the realm of the spirit. God is spirit. We are spirit beings, our spirit. Must commune with God who is spirit. So, for a few next few moments, I want you in your spirit to reach out to God and just talk to Him. If you can pray in tongues, go ahead and pray in tongues and, and just say, God, I want you to touch me. I want you to minister to me. I want you to speak to me and uh, invite Him to work in your life. Father, I uh, just extend, Lord, uh, my heart, my faith uh, for people who are listening, who are tuned in, Father God. And uh, I just pray for people right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would uh, touch people in their areas of need. Touch them uh, where they need to be touched. Oh God, uh, we thank you and we bless you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. We praise you, God. We pray that you will minister uh, to your people right where they are. Let people right now uh, experience your touch. Let them experience your presence. Let them experience, God, you doing something powerful in their lives. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, O God. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We honor you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We honor you. We praise you. We worship you, God. Father, I pray for uh, people uh, who need a restoration of uh, things in their lives. Father, even now, restore what has been taken away. Restore what they may have lost uh, in in, in the season or seasons uh, of life. I pray for a restoration uh, for them, oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray uh, for people and their businesses uh, and what they have been doing. uh, That God, they will see the hand of God. They will see recovery in their businesses. That uh, they will know that you are able to intervene, that you're able to restore, that you're able to bring them back up again. So restore them even in their businesses, oh God. We thank you. We bless you, God. We bless you. Uh, We honor you. We praise and honor you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, oh God. We praise you. Uh, I just want to pray specifically, uh, if there's somebody here you're you're watching and you've been in the jewelry business, uh, you know, the diamond and the jewelry business, I want to pray specifically for you. Um, there may have been things that have happened that have uh, may have brought in huge uh, caused huge losses in your diamond in your jewelry business Uh, but i'm just praying for you maybe you're connected right now you're listening and you're saying can god bring restoration can god do anything about my business i want to speak over your business i want to declare god bringing a restoration and god bringing a turnaround over your diamond and jewelry business Uh, things may have been very difficult but change is coming and God will turn things around for you. So I want you to receive this. Uh, if you want to, you know, you could right now type in the chat, identify yourself so people know that what I'm saying is right. You uh, can, you know, just you can just identify yourself that you are from this place, you're tuning in right now, you heard me say this, and um, then definitely share your testimony, send in your testimony, tell us what God has done for you. And I declare that word, I release that word over you uh, and and your business. Also, uh, I want to just declare a word for uh, somebody who is, you own a plantation. And uh, and I'm just seeing a plantation where there, there are people who are cutting down trees. It's almost like a forest area. There are trees that are being cut down so you own this plantation you have these people cutting working for you they're cutting these trees down for you Uh, but uh, something went wrong there Um, and there's a situation there that needs to be resolved right there uh, uh, in your plantation where people are are working for you uh, cutting these trees down for you but you run into a problem there there's a situation that needs to be addressed Um, and, and and you are watching right now so if you are watching right now Uh, identify yourself on the chat. You say, that's me. Now I'm releasing the word of God to you right now in the name of Jesus, that God steps in, uh, God intervenes for you, that God will turn those things around for you. Uh, And so a hope is coming. Intervention is coming for you. So just receive that and then remember to share with us what God did for you, uh, even as you tuned into the service this morning. Father, I pray for others who are God who are just watching and and engaging with the service whatever their life situation is whatever they're going through father you know them by name you know their situations so I pray for healing I pray for deliverance and right now Lord let the healing part of God flow through uh, this service right where people are tuned in or uh, whatever a healing that you need. Lay your hand on that part of your body that you want God to touch. And you say, Lord, I receive my healing now. Father, let healing virtue flow. Let it touch people. Let it remove Uh, uh, illnesses, let tumors disappear, let growths disappear. Uh, Let there be immediate healings uh, taking place in people's bodies as they tune in right now and as they lay their hands on their bodies in the mighty name of Jesus. I rebuke every spirit of infirmity, sickness and disease. I declare that the healing that was completed on the cross before the foundation, foundation of the world be received in your body now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. We thank you for your work of healing. We give you glory, Father. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Thank you for watching this service. Uh, We request you to send your testimonies in so we know that God is at work. God is touching lives. You can send your email to testimony at apcwo.org and uh, share this message with others. Maybe it'll open their hearts and eyes uh, to things that they may need to know. And uh, remember, we're continuing this series. We're going to open up more things about spiritual realities that are going to impact our lives and help us be more effective from the spiritual into the natural. So keep joining us in the weeks to come. God bless and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources including sermons, sermon notes, publication, please visit apcwo.org For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit apcbiblecollege.org Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play Store.